So welcome back again to the second part of Comments and Inspirations. My name is John Kelly. And this week we continue a series of talks on prayer from the monks of Glenstall. Today, the first talk we'll listen to is entitled Liturgy and Devotions. This will be followed by Melinda Dimitriscu playing a beautiful piece of music, Bless the Lord My Soul. And the second talk today is Liturgy and Prayer. So we'll finish off the second part of our podcast today with a beautiful piece of music, Come to the Water. So join us again in part three, where we read and reflect on the Word of God. We're listening to a podcast from Glenstall Abbey. Through our baptism, we become members of the body of Christ. When we are plunged into the saving waters, or in colder climates, sprinkled with these waters, we are taken up into the mystery of Christ and made able to join in the eternal conversation or dance, which is the life of the Blessed Trinity. We take part in, we learn the vocabulary of this conversation through the liturgy, which is the official prayer of the Church, the Body of Christ. As members of the Body of Christ, we have also become part of the body of all the baptised, that is, members of one another. So it is true to say that the liturgy is the source, the centre, and the summit of our taking part in the conversation or dance of the Body of Christ. It is true to say that the liturgy is the source, the centre, and the summit of our gradual growing into the mystery of Christ, which is the great showing forth of who and what God is, of who and what we are, of who and what I am. The liturgy provides us with the words and actions of the conversation with and within the Holy Trinity. We hear these words read to us in the Holy Scriptures and sung to and by us in the Psalms. We join in the sacramental actions and signs that make these words an active part of us. The Psalms themselves are the very prayers sung by Christ during his life on earth and now sung with us throughout the day in the Divine Office and at the most important liturgical action of his body, the sacrifice of the Mass. The conversation of the liturgy is intended to spill over into our ways of thinking and acting. The liturgy commissions us and gives us the means of living as Christians. It explains our past, it gives meaning to our present, and it gives hope for the future. But as well as the shared conversation of the liturgy, there is the more private conversation of our own personal reading of the scriptures, frequently in the form of Lectio Divina, but also our own private prayer, a kind of prayer which is very often quiet and even unspoken. And then there are devotions which help us to mine riches of the liturgy, and to make these our own and in our own way.
Among my favourite devotions is the Rosary. Since Pope John Paul II added the five luminous mysteries, it is now possible, starting with the Annunciation, to trace and to meditate on the whole story of the mystery of Christ's birth, life, death and resurrection. For example, in contemplating the Assumption of Our Lady and her coronation, we can look forward to becoming what she already is, fed as we are by the Eucharist, instituted by Christ, himself our food for the journey. It's not purely by chance that the episodes of the Rosary are called mysteries. Remembering that mystery means a showing forth or presentation of a divine reality, we are invited to make Christ's mysteries our own mysteries. Another devotion which can help one to pray oneself into the mystery of Christ is the Jesus Prayer. This is prayed on a prayer rope, usually but not necessarily of 150 beads or knots. One formula of this prayer runs, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Saviour, have mercy on me, a sinner. In one sentence, this sums up who Christ is and who I am, remembering that St. Paul tells us in chapter 12 of the first letter to the Corinthians that our very ability to address Jesus as Lord, that is, as the Son of God, is itself the result of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The whole conversation, the whole dance in one phrase, easily remembered and capable of being prayed anywhere and at any time. And then there are the stations of the cross, which allow us to follow Jesus along the way of the very central mystery of his showing. We can accompany him from his judgment by Pilate right up to his being laid in the tomb. But now, with the certain knowledge that he will be raised up and we ourselves with him. In fact, many modern representations of the stations show an empty tomb. The stations are the Easter or Paschal mystery in slow motion. A final devotion I should like to mention is Eucharistic adoration. Silence is an essential part of the liturgy, but many people feel the need to prolong this silence by practising silent adoration. It is true that the Eucharist was made to be consumed so that it can become for each one of us the energising food for our Christian right believing, our right thinking, our right behaving. But there is also room for another way of making the Eucharist our own, a quiet keeping watch. We can tailor this watching to suit ourselves, interspersing wordless contemplation with prayers of our own choosing and with appropriate passages from Scripture. To conclude, Catholic Christianity in its various forms is never an either-or 
reality. It is always about and, and. For example, faith and works, contemplation and apostolic work. Similarly, we can talk about liturgy and devotions. The liturgy must always be our primary fountain, our source, our bedrock in our life as Christians. But it nourishes and in turn is nourished by devotions. listening to a podcast from Glenstall Abbey. Liturgical prayer is a very multi-dimensional aspect of the monastic life. For us here in Glenstall, one of the key aspects of liturgical prayer is that it's something that we do together as a community, as a church. So that business of actually building community through prayer is a critical dimension 
of our liturgical life together. And in our context here, it takes place in a church. St. Benedict is very clear that the church is a space that's specifically set aside for prayer in common. And he also is very attentive to the fact that liturgical prayer and private prayer are not necessarily the same thing. Liturgical prayer rhythms the day, so to speak, with a cycle of morning prayer and mass and vespers and compline. It sets the basic shape of the day, of the monastic day. It is the core task, and it's the task that is to be preferred above all others, as St. Benedict says. Not only rhythms the day, it rhythms the year so that there are seasons of the year. We celebrate Advent in the run-up to Christmas and Christmas tide after Christmas. We celebrate Lent for the 40 days running up to uh, the Triduum to Easter. And then we celebrate Eastertide for 50 days after Easter. So we spend a lot of our year framing and celebrating various different elements of the Christian story by readings and by, by hymns in the church that we sing and read together. We explore the nature of our Christian experience together in the church in time. And one of the most important elements of that togetherness in the church in time is that we are present. It's actually where we choose to spend our time. We could spend it in lots and lots of other ways, but we are present in the church together in time. And that says a lot. It's where we place the weight of our being And we're not only present, but we are attentive. We listen, as the rule asks us to do. We are attentive to the rhythms, both in the liturgy and within ourselves. And the liturgy provides a framework for us to live those rhythms and to be attentive to what's going on in them. The liturgy is often called the prayer of the church. So there's a dimension of our prayer that's not just about us. It's about the whole church. A lot of our prayer is interceding for others. We pray for people. We pray for the dead. We pray for ourselves. And we pray in lots of different ways. We pray through scriptural readings, And also, most notably and perhaps most importantly, by the prayer of the Psalms. And I draw your attention to two dimensions of the Psalms, that there's Psalms of lamentation, a Psalm, a prayer that the world was otherwise, a frustration with the world, wishing that things were not as they are. And then there's Psalms of praise, Praise is thanksgiving for the world as it is. So we do both of those things. We lament and we praise. 
And prayer of the church is often the law of prayer, is the law of what we believe. The lex orandi is the lex credendi. We state what we believe by our, in our prayer and by constantly stating it to the world and to ourselves, we make it what we believe. And I think most fundamentally, and I think one of the things about liturgical prayer that's so important is that it's not just something we do. The liturgy, in many ways, works on us. The liturgy does us so that over time, it is the liturgy that begins to have its effect on us and to open us to God's grace. Thank mm -hmm. you.